With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Just like that, the second hour is here for Hot Mike across the Outkick Network with Hutton and Withrow. No Chad today. He'll be back with us tomorrow. Uh, paying his respects with his family to his late uncle, uh, Richard Anderson. We hope uh, all is well, the best it could be, uh, with uh, the Withrow family today. And again, Chad back with us tomorrow where we will be leading up to round one of the NFL draft. We'll get going at 3 o'clock Eastern. In the meantime, between now and then, two hours to go. Plenty to discuss. Clay Travis joins us a bit later in the show. Uh, Mike Girardi, uh, or excuse, Mike Girardi did join us now. We're on. If you missed that conversation, you can always go to YouTube uh, on demand and get the latest on the NFL rumor mill. Uh, and you can also check out all of the shows at YouTube by just searching Outkick. We'll hook you, hope you'll subscribe to the channel. Mike Jarecki will join us coming up later this hour, and he has covered the Arizona Cardinals for nearly three decades. He's as connected as anyone with that organization. Um, an organization that apparently isn't getting many calls about trading out of number three. So who do they draft and why? And what happens with DeAndre Hopkins and more? We'll ask that question with Mike Jarecki coming up. Shannon Terry joins us in studio in about 15 minutes. Founder and CEO of On3 Sports, where there's a lot in the transfer portal, but also the whole concept of On3 is from high school through the NFL draft process to the NFL draft. Shannon joins us to break it all down. That's coming up in about 15 minutes from right now. Uh, a, a headline that I'm not surprised to see based on details of what happened in Athens with the, the car accident that took the lives of former staff member and a former player for the Georgia Bulldogs. But the father of Georgia's Devin Willock is seeking $2 million, um, in a lawsuit in that stems from the fatal crash. Chandler LaCroix was driving the vehicle that was well over 100 miles per hour. Um, reports are that she was, at, at the time of death, two and a half times the legal limit uh, of intoxication. She had had a history of speeding tickets, including at least four over the past six years, and she was the staff member at Georgia driving a university issued vehicle that she was apparently not allowed to be driving at that hour or at that speed, of course. There were two others in the car that survived the accident, and this is the same accident where uh, we have seen what has stemmed from all of the drama going into the draft for Jalen Carter, who was racing next to them down the strip in Athens. Well, the father for Willock, is seeking these $2 million damages against the state. And I didn't know this, but that's capped. That they cannot, The family could not sue for more than $2 million under Georgia law. But they're citing that the university could have done more in regards to LaCroix driving the vehicle and everything involved. Again, not surprised to see the headline. A sad story that uh, will get messier as the legalities of this play out. The numbers are staggering when you see 
what Deion Sanders is doing with the roster at Colorado. I believe since he arrived, 51 players have exited the program in some way. And right now, Colorado is down to 16 scholarship players on their roster as of today, stemming from the weekend's spring game, meaning they're going to have 69 new scholarship players this season in what is a complete roster turnover from the previous year where they won one game. But things are going to get crazy because Sanders is going to enter the portal the same way. He's going to stir the pot and bring high recruits with him. We've already seen that. And I'm eager to see how other coaches respond to what goes on behind the scenes with Prime. And also what's going on behind the scenes, you've got players who are trying to leave. Uh, the tight end, Zachary Courtney, tweeted out that he, he was told to transfer, straight up, told to transfer, but he can't get access to his practice tape in order to show it to potential teams or new programs because the new head coach at CU won't allow it. Yes, things are getting bumpy, Davey. And you've got further details? Well, I did want to add one more quote that Dion said. He said, it's no way that I can put new furniture in this beautiful home if we don't clean out the old furniture. I like that one. But talking about the tight end. And that's what I was alluding to when I said take out the trash. That's what yes. he was saying was we're, we're moving out the old furniture. The, the other thing is, is he not allowing the tight end to use footage from last year's practice or just this year's? Because I'm thinking, one, if you don't have any game footage from a team that went 1-11, and 11, there's probably not much there for you. But I understand why Dion would not want to give his actual practice footage that they have so far this year uh, to let him use yeah. that to where other teams would then be able to see, like, all right, here's what they got planned right now. Agreed. I... I mean, maybe Dion just did away with all of the all of the save practice footage. <laughs> I don't know, but he, when he came in for the initial day, that first day where he just you know he's got the cameras with him and he's giving the speech to the rooms, like some of you guys just aren't going to be cut out for this. Like we're gonna we're gonna bring in guys that are going to be better. I've always said if you know what the but, expectations are beforehand, like then yeah. you won't be upset, or at least it's in your ability or you're able to control like what happens from there. The, the numbers, though, are jarring. The number of players in the exodus, the mass exodus. I'm not surprised, though, that he's running off all the players all at once, right? Because he, he said he's going to do it and do it his way. And, I mean, this is a team that won one game last year. So the response on this is, oh, it's going to be a, man, it's going to be a long year for Colorado. It already has been. Um, it's been a long offseason and, and a fun one for the first time in a long time. We're mentioning Colorado Buffalo football because Deion Sanders is there riding in on, you know, it's like he's riding in horseback at Yellowstone with the white hat in the snow in Boulder, ready to save the program, which is not going to happen overnight. But what has to happen is he brings in better players than what they currently have. And that's just the brutal part of the sport and the expectations that he has coming in and the the blank check, so to speak, that he's been given with the program to go about it as you may, as you wish. Um, you could say he can handle it better. Some could say, hey, this is the name of the game. But if he's got access to the practice footage, he needs to at least allow these guys to go play somewhere. Let me ask you this. With Dion and everything being so out in the open, do you think that's actually going to be easier for him or harder kind of given this much turnover? With everything out in the open? I mean, as far as like how open he is, he's like, we got cameras here, and it's every everything you do is oh, being I, seen by the whole world. I think he embraces it. I think if there was silence behind the doors, he would be paranoid about it. He would have to create something. Um, yeah, I mean, I, 
I don't know. The, the players are probably jarred because they feel like, oh, you know, the I'm, I'm doing everything asked of me and now I'm being told to leave. But at the same time, the portal's open and they should be grateful for the, the aspect that they can just go and play immediately. I love that rule for this reason. You can jump in and move. And again, this is just the start. This is just the start. He is going to stir the pot with coaching staffs and big-name coaches moving forward that I think will start a back-and-forth where he's not afraid to rub people the wrong way because he's prime. He's going to say it and do it like it is, and he's going to live up to whatever expectation he puts out there for himself and call his shot, saying, hey, these dudes aren't going to be here because they're not that good. He's not going to sugarcoat it, and he really never has, but that's why you hired him because he's made such a, an already jarring impact on the program for what could be a college football playoff team in the Pac-12 for the teams that will continue to get into the playoffs as we expand. NFL draft coming up tomorrow. Teams that control the first round. Multiple teams with, with 31 picks, by the way, because Miami was trying to tamper with Tom Brady on a yacht. 31 picks tomorrow night. There are a handful of teams that have multiple picks. Houston Texans pick at number two and again at number 12. They control really the top 10. Because if Houston, if you believe that Houston's not going to draft a quarterback, I'm not one of them, not going to draft a quarterback at number two because they're going to try to roll the dice and draft one at 12. You can't play that game at that position in this league. I, it, it, you don't have to draft C.J. Stroud. I think it's Will Levis if it's not C.J. Stroud for Houston at number two. But you can't roll the dice and say, you know what, we've got two picks. We're going to pick at 12. We'll get Hendon Hooker. Well, if the run on quarterbacks happens... And there's another team that believes that Hendon Hooker is not the fifth best quarterback in the first round, but the third, you're screwed on that too. And just draft your guy and own it. I don't pass on a quarterback, and I don't trade down when I have the luxury of having the second overall pick. And I've, my organization's won 11 games over the last three years, and one of those seasons was with Deshaun Watson. They've sucked for a while, and it's because they haven't found the quarterback. And when they did, that dude bounced. I... I don't see how they pass on QB, but they do control the draft based on the two picks they have so high and the picks that they have from Cleveland because of the aforementioned quarterback in Deshaun Watson, 2-12. and 12. Seattle is fascinating. They pick at 5. They are going to get a solid defensive player. Jalen Carter, potentially Will Anderson, maybe Tyree Wilson. Maybe because they pick again at 20, they feel like they can gamble and draft a quarterback behind Geno Smith. It's a steep contract that they gave that guy this offseason after one big year, and he earned it. But they can get out of that contract sooner rather than later if they find the quarterback that they want to develop and because they have the luxury of having Geno Smith, knowing he's their guy this year, and knowing they can develop a quarterback behind him and take their time and show some patience. Not every organization can do that. Seattle's one of them. And they can be patient in the first round. And they can move around a bit, too, because they have the 20th overall pick after they pick at five. The Detroit Lions. Crazy. But the Detroit Lions are one of the teams that everyone's jumping on the bandwagon for. They pick at six. They pick again at 18. And they're reaping the rewards now of the Matthew Stafford trade. They are another sleeper, I believe, for a potential quarterback backup. I think later in the first round, if we see a drop of these QBs, Jared Goff, what they're doing back up there right now, again, if we see Richardson or Hooker or another quarterback fall, 
18 is a spot where I think we could see one go, and it's to Detroit, and no one's talking about that. I think a great spot for Jalen Carter is with Dan Campbell in Detroit. Put him on the defensive front with Aiden Hutchinson, and let's roll. I, they, they are in a great position at pick six. Philadelphia, a great team is going to get even better. They, they pick at 10. They pick again at 30. Many mocks have Philadelphia trading that pick at 30 to a team that's going to be quarterback needy. Maybe so. But they have the option of going with like a athletic freak of Nolan Smith, for instance, at 10. Bijan Robinson makes a ton of sense if he makes it past Atlanta at 8. Philadelphia is going to add potentially the best overall just pure athlete in the draft. And B. John Robinson, based on what we saw him do and the impact he can make at the next level, and they still have another first-round pick based on other trades they've made. So it's Philly, Detroit, Seattle, Houston. And the outlier for me, I think the most unpredictable team tomorrow as far as aggressive, patience, stick and pick, I have no idea, the Tennessee Titans. They have Ryan Tannehill under contract for a year. They don't want to extend him because if they extend him, further cap hits will be expected on the cap. After this year, they don't have any other cap hit on the guy. They can also move him post-June 1st and get a plus $20 million benefit on the cap if they want to be aggressive and draft a quarterback now. They don't have to do anything with him, Tannehill, I'm saying, until later this offseason. That's a huge benefit for a team that has already had to account for his salary this year in the cap hit. They've already done that. And it's a it's not best of both because they don't have a future after this year with the guy. But they do have the ability to say, you know what? He's the fourth best quarterback in terms of winning percentage since 2019. And we're not about tanking. So let's just win while where we can. And we can win with Tannehill and Henry and let's invest around them and then address quarterback. Or be aggressive Go get the quarterback that you're in love with. Move Tannehill after the draft to a team that didn't come away from the draft thinking that they got the guy that they need or they have the security that they have. Or move in post-June 1st and still find the same cap savings. Or keep both guys because the rookie's cheap. Malik Willis is not the future. He's not going to be on the roster if they draft a quarterback. And Tannehill's going to get paid what he got paid, but you don't owe him anything after this year. How aggressive will new general manager Rand Carthon be? That is a huge unknown entering tomorrow night's draft because many people think they're taking quarterback. Many people think they need offensive line and they do. They need help at wide receiver. They could also just go with the best defensive player if there is a run on quarterback. But what's the price they're willing to pay and how aggressive will the first time general manager be in his first draft with Mike Vrabel sitting beside him? I'm fascinated by what happens here in Nashville. Coming up, one of the best dudes in Nashville sits down with us. Shannon Terry, Founder, CEO of On3, and the whole concept of On3 is leading up to tomorrow night, from high school to college, leading up to the draft. And I'm really interested in this question. The five-star recruits in high school and how that correlates to the talent we will see in the first round tomorrow night and the expectations in between what has been a fast-paced three- or four-year span for those athletes. It's all straight ahead on Hot Mike. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. 
For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Sixth and Peabody, our location with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Withrow back with us tomorrow. Hutton with you and in Chad's seat right now. Shannon Terry, founder and CEO of On3 Sports. Always great to have you in, man. Great to be here. The buzz of the NFL draft. 10 million are going to watch at least tomorrow. Crazy. You know the numbers. Uh, I mean, they, they have 600 prepackaged uh, video elements for tomorrow night for the broadcast on ABC and ESPN. They have 55 cameras, eight production trucks. And, and 300,000 over the weekend in Kansas City will go and watch this in person. You know, that the NFL versus anything else, it's remarkable how they can sell the drama of any event they do. And over the weekend, they'll do it without even displaying the ball that's used to play the sport. It's amazing. I mean, it, it, is, it's, it is the sport. It is the, it's the culture. It's everything. And it's... The hype, and they're, they're selling hope through the quarterback class that you know well. <laughs> I, I don't buy every one of these guys. I do understand the race to get the guy, because if you don't have the guy, you gotta have the guy. you're fired in two and a half or three years, right? Mm -hmm. But what do you make of what you saw from guys like Anthony Richardson, which we didn't see much, right. Will Levis, yep. Bryce Young, and C.J. Stroud that won at a high level. And then there's Hendon Hooker, who's hurt, but certainly is more than just a flash in the pan at Tennessee. It's an interesting class. You know, the, the stories that were going around the last couple of days that if, if uh, Caleb and Drake May were, you know, in this class, they would, they would be the two guys, and they definitely would. I mean, Caleb, Caleb Williams, is, he's, he has all the tools, and he's, he's what you're looking for. And I think if you look at this draft class, there's a lot of strengths and there's a lot of weaknesses for all these athletes and I think if you rolled them into one you could you could get what you wanted but I, I just don't know there's questions with all of them and the, the one that I've liked the longest and I don't I don't know him personally I've never really spoken to him and I've talked to a lot of the coaches that know him and they've talked about his maturation and his development in the locker room the one the one that is the most intriguing to me is CJ Stroud mm. okay and so if you, if you talk to the coaches there off the record you know, early in his career, it's like, hey, you know, he doesn't command the, the locker room at this stage. You know, he's not an alpha dog. He's not a natural leader. He'll work hard. He'll do but if, if you have that conversation a little bit each year, there's, there's an upward trend to it. Now, I love S2. I've studied S2 cognition. Oh, tell me you know, this I know, I know all about that business. I was offered the opportunity to invest in it, to be the CEO, do all the things, and, I, and massive, massive respect for for what they're doing. Was that developed here? Yes, developed here. Um, inc incredible, but the media it doesn't matter what they 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 don't understand what they're talking about. It has nothing to do it's not a test. It's a measurement of cognitive ability. It's not and and the, and the and you know, if the percentile the norm is 50% for like the elite athlete, 50% is good. And it's just such a small small sampling between a 50 and a 100 and I don't know it's not being used correctly the way it's being talked about. 
first of all. It has well, nothing, it's being treated like the Wonderlic. It has nothing to do with it. It, it is, a, it is a, a test that you it's, – it's down to the point where you can't take it online. You, it's a 45-minute test, or it was a few years ago. And it basically it's, – it's your ability to recognize and react at lightning speeds. And so the idea is just the idea running back, you know, has two or three options he can go. How quick can he see it and make the right move? Okay. And when I was looking at the data – I think this was three years ago. They had a pretty large sampling. They had worked with LSU for all of those years. They had nine or ten MLB teams. Um, there were two or three. I know the Cowboys had them in. And I could, I get, I would get anonymized data, and I could point to it, and I'd say, you know, that's Leonard Fournette. You know, that's the the great safety LSU had at the time. And they were like, yeah. I remember getting the data on the three Alabama quarterbacks. Well, Alabama had three quarterbacks, so it was pretty easy to say, okay. These are, this is going to be Mac Jones, Tua, and Jalen Hurts. I remember at the time getting that data, and I was like, they're all the same. You know, in my mind, Tua was whatever. But it's a good test, but it has nothing to do with IQ. It is a reaction speed, uh, how quick your brain can see something. And it just – it's not being it's, – it's better use, honestly, is your ability to, to focus and lock in or are you a scanner. I think the better application in football – is is measuring these tweeners whether they're a safety or a corner, um, then type it is, stuff. Yeah. Or, or running back or running, whatever. Those, yeah, it just it's not it's not what it's being made out to be. It has nothing so, to do with with intelligence. But you're a believer in the in the results. It is a piece of data that that needs to be looked at, just like arm strength and height and yeah, you know all the things. It is not a measurement. Has C.J. Stroud is an incredibly intelligent um, human. He is. He has all the tools. Um, We're looking to be at a the great quarterback. at yeah. the results here, the the leaked results, and yeah. and again, I, I don't know if these are legit or not. I want to pre- I don't know. Well, it doesn't mean it, it doesn't mean anything from the perspective of what. The, there's no difference between there's no Bryce Young at 98 is no better than the the kid at 96. Those are all those are just they're, they're minutia down to the point. And so I don't think there's no, it's not possible for CJ Stroud, I think to be below 50 percentile and, and, in reaction. But you know, like I, I yeah. said, when, when I saw this earlier this week, I'm thinking it comes down, like, can you ball? Can you play? Absolutely. He makes the throws. He sees right? it. You and know? I, I don't want it's, to, yeah. it's just weird to me that he's being knocked for playing with all the talent around him. But then excuses are being made for Will Levis whenever he didn't have an offensive line and he doesn't have a run game when Rodriguez is hurt and, or suspended. It's just odd how you can bounce around from one to the other and create whatever drama package you want for said quarterback. Yeah. And I, I would have never guessed that it would have been C.J. Stroud that was, quote-unquote, falling on the eve of the draft. Me either. Uh, and he, if, he's the most complete, of, of, to me, of all, all of the quarterbacks in the draft. You take a guy like Will Levis. Okay, now he's, he's pretty. You know, he's strong. He's, you know, he can take a hit. He's got an arm. He's got all the things. Selfie game's on point. Oh, yeah. I was like, all right, we need to unfollow here. Yeah. But here, here, here's the thing about Will Levis in my mind. If Will Levis goes to a team where he can sit for three or four years, I'm like, that's a, that's a heck of a deal. But to put him in, expect him from day one, are you looking at another Mitch Trubinsky? I mean, because it's not, he's, he, it's not natural for him. Bryce Young – he he knows where he's going with the ball. He runs the offense. He is years in development ahead of of Levis. you know Richardson, Levis, and those guys. It's not even funny. Where it's, would you put him to Stroud? Uh, who 
Which one? Um, Bryce Young. Uh, Bryce Young. Here's what I love about Bryce Young. Okay, he is because he doesn't take off running. Mm-hmm. You you don't say these things about him, but he is unbelievably twitchy. Okay, he is an athlete. He is unbelievably twitchy. He just throws it so he you know he doesn't get out and make people miss. So that's so the first thing about him is he is twitchy enough to make people miss and to not take the big hits. Generally speaking, he is phenomenal at knowing where to go with the ball. He is accurate. He is a leader. He is all business. He is programmed. He is set up for for success. The things I don't like about him, obviously, not so much his height, because he's played that same height. He's he's he knows how to do that. That's fine. It doesn't make him Joe Namath or whatever. But right. height's not the issue. He's got a slight build. Okay. He's thin. He's thin. He's thin. I don't think he's a great down the field thrower. You know, like he's he's mid. I don't think he's a great got a great deep ball, but he's going to be a very good quarterback, and I think he's a quarterback that actually can come in and help a team. So, so I like him. But if I was picking, I'd take Stroud first. So you, if you're mm-hmm. Carolina, you would trade up for Stroud, not Young. Yeah. I'm taking I'm just, Young. That's just but me. I, oh no, yeah. yeah, it's just me. Um, and uh, there, I, there's not a big difference for me on, on on the two. But it sounds like Houston has soured on C.J. Stroud. John McClain mm-hmm. says they're not going to take him. I'm I'm fascinated to see what they do. They can't pass on quarterback there. Um, and that you're right. Um, you you don't have the luxury of these QBs being able to sit and wait. I know. You know, Hendon Hooker and Anthony Richardson may benefit more than any of the guys because they have a chance to sit and wait. That's what I'd want to be. I mean, you know, it doesn't sound good, but like you know, two or three years, and you know, and just and learn and slow down and just mature as a human. I don't I don't know about you, but the two or three years at age 24, 25, 26 are light years for try right, thirty eight. Yeah. come on. Well, yeah. Shannon <laughs> Terry in studio with us uh, from on three. Um, so the, you, you know this better than anyone, the four or five star yep. rankings. How does it translate to tomorrow night with the guys you'll see? So the facts over the last three years, um, a five star uh, has been taken. If you're a five star, you have a 60% chance of being drafted. Okay. Now there are 32 five stars each year. So they're not many. And 60% chance you will be drafted. So it's, it's, that is 20 times more likely to be drafted in a class. And the data, what's amazing to me is if you look at the data, the last five years, three years, four years, all the way back to 10 years, it's always been in that 60% range. But I do think it's actually going to trend and get more accurate because there's more data, there's more information. Um, you know, the, our scouting process is not really what people think. Here's, here's, the, here's the way it really, really works. We get on the phone and we talk to every assistant coach, every head coach, every scout there is. And they give us an enormous universe and kind of rank them for us. Then, then our scouts go in from there, take the information, and then you know, start lining up the position rankings. And then it becomes a position value set. Then it becomes a state value set. You know, that way you don't get five kids from Wyoming you know, the, ever in the top 15. It's yep. also how you don't get a center number one. So it's position. You know, it starts out as a position from all of this data from these people. So it's, it, there's a science behind it, but it's not empirical, you know. But it, but it is accurate. But it's accurate, yeah. yeah. Look. You, call, what about four stars? Is it a big drop-off in regards to the percentage chance? Or? Uh, it's 24% chance. Okay, and then yeah. after that, it's way yeah, lower. Yeah, then it goes way lower. So four, four stars are there. I mean, there's, and again, there's, what, 324 stars? So, yep. you know, there's a lot of high school kids that play football. 
in no, any no year. doubt. Some of these so, quarterbacks we're talking about were four. But the data, the, the whole data set. Charles Powers, our lead scout, and he's a savant. He's got sits in a room um, looking at tape. He's a guy that goes to high school games, talks to coaches. He just has an innate ability to to really dig in. I, th- I mean, someday he'll you know he'll he'll work on an NFL team if he wants to. He's got that kind of. He did all of our rankings after Barton after Barton left at 24-7 sports. And Charles is the best scout I've worked with in, in football. And he and we do a good job of getting him data from all of the coaches. And that's not easy. Internet work. No, it's not easy. And the coaches are honest. Uh, the coaches are, oh, man. It's, See, I would think if I'm after, it's kind of like the it's line burn, season here, right? Jonathan, we don't burn them. Like, yeah, but you had to earn that trust oh, that's, initially. That's, you know, we, we've been in this for 27 years. And so, um, you know, our group, you know, our, our group don't burn them. Like, you know, they're off-record conversations off the record. We're playing the long game. Some of these coaches, though, are 24, 25 years old, though. Yeah, but they grew up rated by us. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. Terry with us. Um, Dion. Man, he has uh, the, the ripple effect. The, the idea that we're covering the spring game of Colorado, right? Just on the surface level there. In the snow, they've got 40,000 plus there. He's... I was joking. He looked like you know a Dutton riding in a Yellowstone with the white hat. You know the, the savior. <laughs> he looked there. good though, didn't he? he? Oh, oh man, he I, looked good. Chad and I said jaw we, structure, the hat. Well, hey, look at him. I, I hope. Look, I want this to be the look on the sideline. By the way. Oh my gosh. That, that's a, that's a good looking man right there. But who is going to be on the sideline with him right now? They have sixteen scholarship players remaining. Fifty-one players have exited the program since he took over. Twenty since this past weekend. All of that really is to be expected based on day one when he walked in and announced to the the team in the team meeting room in the auditorium, hey, yeah, chances are we don't want you here because you guys suck. I'm paraphrasing, but he no, just point blank said that. And he's doing it. And I, I, I'm confused because I, the headlines are like, oh, he's not going to have anyone left. I'm, this is a one-win team. He doesn't want any of these guys. And now he can bring people into the portal. You know, the thing about Dion is there's no question he's, he is, he's a winner. I mean, all of those refuses factors. to do anything else but that. I just, I the thing that the thing that's interesting to me is the job, and we've we've said this before. Like, how quick, how quick can you turn that program around? I mean, that's that is not an ideal situation. I mean, they are going to get worn out. I don't care where you hit the portal, but I understand what he's doing because it's about culture, it's about work ethic, consistency. It's my way. And there is, you know, he's coming in and yeah. he's, he's get, he's going to get buy in or buy out. Which but you also get eyeballs if you buy in. You get, you get eyeballs. Two of the top ten NIL evaluations right now at yeah. on three are Colorado players. Yeah, and and you know, and I think that you know his son's going to be a lot better quarterback than a lot of people realize. So, but they're going to get worn out, and I just don't know if you can recruit to Boulder. I really don't. So even him. Okay, this may affect where I, I thought your answer may go here. But if you're the Big 12, how aggressive are you in trying to get Colorado to join? You have to, and they need to uh, – well. Knowing that it's tough to recruit to Boulder and Dion may – I don't know if you believe he's there for the long haul. I, d- I don't think he's there for the long haul. But what's the next level for him, though? Florida he's, State? He's, he's got to win somewhere. Florida State's program's in the right direction. I know. So it's, it's that type. I mean, I'm, I'm a little surprised he took it. Things must have been really bad – 
Um, yeah, and he had other options. He could have gone to Florida, not Florida, but the state of Florida to coach, right? Yeah. One of those two yeah. schools. So he, I mean, he'll, my thing is he'll get out of there when he can. I, I man, if, of, of the Pac 12, Colorado and Utah are the two I would be after. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you have to. But I, but I don't, it's, it's I don't, because of Dion, though. I don't, I don't even know what the NCAA is going to look like. So like, give me your best guess. My best guess is now. What year? How far in advance are we looking here? Man, this this is an impossible question, and you know you, and, and it's so interesting. I don't know if you've read any of Charlie Baker's comments from the lead one, because it, it's fascinating, and you know you can only prune a tree that's still alive, and and hope for anything good. The NCAA is dead right now, and they know it, and so there is a hail mary happening because what the NCAA wants is they want an antitrust exemption. Okay, which means we've been a bad actor for decades. They want no employment for athletes because that's that's a curveball. Because if you kill, if you get a a federal NIL bill, which is the third thing they want, that's favorable at the same time that you you're not making these these athletes employees, then you can control the money situation and you can control how much of that rights money. Mm you know, would actually be available. So, so they're asking for, just to put it bluntly, they're asking for everything, everything. You know why they're doing it? Because it's over, okay? It's over. And I was talking to unbelievably intelligent, successful administration slash player slash all the things, and he had this one line, and I said, well, you know, how's this thing going to end up? He goes, it's going to end up bad. I said, well, why is it going to end up bad? And he said, you know what? There's an old saying. They never took any steam off that kettle. And they've had every opportunity along the way. So now there's no pruning of the tree. And so the only option now is to completely blow it up. And it's going to have to be, you know, football out, doing its own thing, whether it's a license deal, kind of a Vanderbilt Hospital Okay. You know, type model. I think it's going to end up like a club model more than a. I think it's going to be some, you know, football gets carved out, you know, license the brand, funding goes back to the school, and then, you know, then the other sports are sit over here. It's going to be football like you're saying, like the power group. Yeah, the power power group. Everything else remains under the NCAA umbrella and under different purview. Under a different. But, but the NCAA, if you look at it, it is the, it is so easy to see right now. Okay. It is a all-in hell mary on a federal bill because if you see if you if you read our article today mm-hmm. on the business site, they are paralyzed. There's no move the NCAA can make that won't trigger lawsuits, antitrust, and all the things. So they're sitting here. So they have one last shot, and who knows what's going to happen? And I think, you know, I think the only thing I've seen. Because it, all, all my people are like, oh, federal will is not going to happen. It's not going to happen. And who in the heck wants it? Have you listened to these? Have you listened to some of these? It's, it's asinine, like the questions. The only reason I think a federal bill could happen um, late, of, of late is because all of these states now are starting these, these state-sponsored bills that completely exonerate any culpability whatsoever of the programs in their state. Like... No penalty. And so that's a little wonky there. You can cheat, but guess what? You're, you're protected. Yeah. Oklahoma, Arkansas, and I think Texas is about to pass one. Yeah. Which makes sense if you're all in on those programs and you know it's going to affect your state and no one else's. Well, number one, the NCAA has, you know, Austin just basically took away all their power. 
So it's over. They, you know, and they know it. So if they try to have power, you know, you might as well say, no, you're not going to come in here and, yeah. and our, wreck our program. Screw that. So it's, this is the greatest time ever. How fast, but sports. when you say all this, is this yeah. five years from now in your mind? I know it's unpredictable. Five, is it sooner than that? Like, where is it on the horizon and timeline? It's a great question. I think, you know, we're going to have to see what happens with federal legislation. I mean, that, and who you know, knows? that's okay. So there, well, there's a window there, I think that, you know, but I don't think if you talk to the conference heads, I don't think anyone's really expecting any anything to happen from that so this um, is all formality they're just going through the checking boxes i mean and i don't know the i don't know the legal structure the contracts and all the things but the bottom line is the sec and the and the big 10 they need to make the first move collectively collectively they need to make the first move and so if if you know and i don't i, I don't think those discussions are you know are happening at this point i mean you know you're still talking about you know, a group of people that are moderately risk-averse to extremely risk-averse, just in general. But they also serve these networks now. They serve the networks more, more so than they serve the presidents. And see, the presidents, you know, the presidents are this 1950s model. We're going to take, 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 and we're going to take, 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 and we're not giving you anything. Yeah. That model doesn't work anymore. So you're sitting here, if you take all the scholarships, all the aid, all the money put in, the labor force for athletes in P5 schools, 9%. Okay. So, you know, the old saying in business is uh, pigs get fat and hogs get... Slaughtered. Yep. And eventually the, uh, the players will figure it out with uh, agents and everyone else involved. It's going to yeah. get messier before it gets cleaned up. <laughs> I like the draft tomorrow night. I can't wait for that. Dude, thank you. Yeah, I had fun. On three, crushing it. And uh, just briefly, the idea is you're going to start, we mentioned the star ratings. You're yeah. going to have rankings. Rankings may be the wrong word. I think we've discussed this. For the transfer portal, right? Yeah, so, I mean, we, we basically are trying to do two things outside of media. We're trying to build a um, kind of a Wikipedia for all athletes, you know, whether it's valuations to – rankings ratings bios and all the things it's just it's fun it's that, like a, it's some like of that hobby. access they only have access to yeah and then the, the really big crazy idea if we can pull it off is that we have a private athlete network where the athletes claim their profile and then they go into a a a uh, linkedin model where they get education they get to control their profile they get to sync up with uh, assistant coaches they get to see financial deals they get legal advice tax advice they get to talk, you know, Bryce Young can talk to CJ Stroud in the community asking why. So it's, who knows? I have no and idea. And if they're in the smart. portal, they can see what they could be worth somewhere else. And they can see what they can be worth. So I, it's, it's, it's going to be fun. I think it's We're just getting started. unbelievably brilliant. Good to see you, bro. Good to see you, man. I appreciate Shannon it. Shannon Terry, one of the best right here. Uh, and check out On3 for the very latest on NIL and everything in between with recruiting, high school, evaluation for NIL, all the way leading up to the draft process tomorrow night. Coming up, pick number three. And the options that Arizona has, or do they have options? Because reports are they're not even getting calls about trades. Why? Mike Jarecki joins us next on Hot Mike. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. 
From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. A lot of discussion about what Houston does at two. There has not been a lot of talk about the third overall selection with the Arizona Cardinals, at least with the drama involved with tomorrow night's draft. Hutton back with you on Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow across the Outkick Network, joined by one of the best to cover the Arizona Cardinals, Mike Jarecki, longtime host there in the area, and now he is uh, with Arizona Football Daily. Mike, it's great to have you on, man. Love the Tillman shout-out in the background as well. Um, As of right now, is Arizona going to stick and pick at three? They're open for business now. You know, I think people are forgetting that Demeco Ryan signed a six-year contract, and they went with Jimmy Garoppolo and Brock Purdy. Doesn't mean they can't turn around and t- take a quarterback with their second pick. Um, and then next year, Caleb Williams. I mean, I'm assuming the Cardinals will be in the top five next year. I think the Texans will be in the top five, and Cardinals don't need a quarterback. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, ideally, I know Will Anderson is is the fans' pick, but. I really don't think this. I think this is more of a meat and potatoes draft where there's no Von Miller in this draft. You know, JJ Watt was drafted 11th overall. You know, look at Aaron Donald, uh, 13th. So, you know, is Will Anderson a guy that's going to get you eight to 10 sacks? But I, I, I think if they're able to maneuver, and I don't think it's going to happen though, I think Tyree Wilson really fits what they want to do. I don't think they're going to pick up Isaiah Simmons' fifth year option coming up on May 1st. You got a new regime. And one thing I'll say about Monty Austinford, he spent 14 years with the Patriots and the last couple of years with the Titans. Now, he doesn't have a relationship with Ray Carthon, but if the Cardinals are looking to get a haul, uh, if they go to 11, they'll acquire another first-round pick next year uh, from the Titans if they want to move up for a quarterback. So, you know, I think if you're, you know, Indianapolis, do you get itchy? Is a team going to jump you? Because they could sit there at four and take either Richardson or Levis. So I think the Cardinals are in a good spot, but this is really a knee draft. This this is a complete uh, rebuild. It's going to take a couple of years, and you know, right now they got eight picks, and I anticipate DeAndre Hopkins will get traded on Friday. We'll see about uh, Buda, Buda Baker. Are they willing to trade him and get a second this year, maybe a third next year, vice versa? But um, they they need to come away with this draft with at least ten or eleven picks, and. One thing I do know is based on his history with Belichick, they will go after a lot of undrafted free agents. And I don't think people realize that's the back end of your roster. You're trying to turn it over. And a lot of these guys are practice squad eligible. Mike, do you think they're fielding more calls right now about a trade for three or a trade for Hopkins? Three. So the reports so, so the reports Pardon? of the reports of oh they're not they're not getting much in return on the like that's inaccurate to a point to a degree from what you're hearing. Well, Jonathan Gannon, when they unveiled their uh, uniforms last week, he said that double digits are calling. Now, you know, I had Justin Casey on from thirty thirteen, and he said, if, you know, if you get a deal before the draft, what I think is going to happen. And it reminds me what happened a few a long time ago when Michael Bidwell made a deal with Mickey Loomis. If Jonathan Sullivan was on the board, 
they were going to take him at six. And so the Cardinals obviously missed out on Terrell Suggs, and they moved to 17-18. So I think you set parameters the night before, and then the morning of, um, you obviously follow up on calls. But I do think if teams get desperate, I, I don't anticipate anything happening until they're on the clock. Final thing for you. Odds they could go offensive tackle and not pass rush. I mean, just because Kyler Murray, you know, likes, you know, Johnson. He also likes C.D. Lamb. He liked Cody Ford. He took Byron Murphy. I mean, he has input. If you're Monty Austin Ford, you got to do what's best for the team. I don't see a, a tackle going until, like, maybe starting eight or nine, and you're going to see a run on him. Um, I know he can play inside. Cardinals drafted Leonard Davis. They didn't know if he was a guard or tackle. They drafted Jonathan Cooper. He was a good player until he got hurt. They drafted DJ Humphreys. To me, you could find a good tackle or guard in Saturday. Like that Joe uh, Tipman. I don't know if he's going to be there in the third round. Cardinals got multiple picks in the third round. So I always think you can draft linemen in the uh, – there's no Jonathan Ogden. There's no, you know, um, Orlando Pace in this draft. So I – if they go that route, well, great for them, but I, I, I wouldn't agree with it. I'm with you. The best best case is they can trade out. If not, Tyree Wilson seems like the best fit for what they need, the new regime there, defensive-minded head coach, and yep. just acquiring the best talent on the board. That's what they need to start doing uh, with Arizona. Mike, thank you so much, man, for the quick hit and um, good insight here on what we could or could not see based on who's available tomorrow. Well, thanks for having me, and I'm glad Coach Mack recommended me because uh, we are good friends. Mack's the best. Dave McGinnis is the best, and uh, you know I've all got a lot of respect for him. Same here, man. Uh, for you as well, appreciate you, Mike. Mike Jarecki there, Arizona Football Daily, longtime host and writer there in the Phoenix area. Coming up, the top headlines of the day. Sankey has talked about field storming, and we get Dane Brugler's take on tomorrow night's draft. 